A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And welcome to The Food Fight, where we offer a different perspective on food culture issues around Australia and the world. We'll talk with chefs, producers, business owners and experts to hear their stories and find out what makes them tick. This is a Small Bites episode. It's called Wine School. I don't know much about wine, so I basically ask Simon a whole bunch of questions about it and hopefully learn something. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Small Bites episode of The Food Fight. My name's Stefan Postuma. And sitting next to me is Simon Evans. Car issue number two. Yeah, we're yeah. sitting in this nice new hire car. Oh yeah. Um, we just finished. We just finished a podcast with Christian Hampson from Yarrabingan in Sydney, and we're taking this opportunity as we drive back to Wollongong to talk some shit because we can release these small bites episodes and we talk while we're in the car, usually about food anyway. Yeah, so because content. Because content. For all you uh, Patreon supporters, <laughs> we should get a Patreon. Yeah, I don't really know. How, yeah, like people, you would just, you support us if we had a Patreon? You just like, pay, would you, you pay monthly? Would you, you allow us to make some money off this podcast and, mm. and then give us the resources to to do more of them and to travel and to make them we much better and to behind the scenes things? Then do we? Yeah, I think blue, we have to do blue, like we have to get nude reel. on Patreon and like show yeah, our. That's that's OnlyFans. Oh, we could do an OnlyFans. Well, yeah, OnlyFans is for any content. Like, I think it's just got this reputation of being just for nudes now. Oh, okay. Well, but, like, that's it, all right. It is just I'm for down anything. with nudes. I mean, but I think if we said, like, join our OnlyFans, people would get the wrong idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, gross. The Food Fight X. <laughs> yeah. OnlyFans. I mean, I mean, I am kind of between jobs right now. So. <laughs> got to put food on the table. Yeah. <laughs> even though you work at a restaurant. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so look for this uh, small bites. Let's, this is very serious, Simon, mate. Let's take it seriously, yeah, all right? The yeah. people are out there. They want the content. They are supporting us on OnlyFans and Patreon for a reason. Yeah. So we've got to give it to give them. them the content. So um, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about wine because um, we've talked. We've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about food, and we spent fuck all talking about wine. And wine's actually where this all started. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So we did that. We did when I was doing the Illawarra cookbook. We did a uh, a wine tasting episode at the Throsby. That was the sort of the Throsby podcast. We did a wine tasting episode with Eric, you, me, Andy, and Dave. And did everyone bring like two bottles or something like that? Is that what happens? Kind of. This always happens when you do a wine tasting with friends. It kind of starts off with like, okay, well, everyone bring a bottle, and then. Like everyone independently thinks, like, oh, I'll take this. I'll take this one just in case as well. So then everyone inevitably ends up with two bottles. Um, I feel like Eric 
sort of had two and then maybe had another two. And we drank um, all of them. Yeah. So you can go back and listen to that one. That's the Throsby episode yeah, of, it's the genesis the, of the, of the, of the, the Illawarra the Cookbook food, Podcast, yeah. which was the genesis of pretty, the gong show, the genesis funny. of the food fight. It was fire. quite eventful. Oh, like, it was like, very eventful. There were people spewing out the front. Yeah. Not us. Yeah, yeah. Someone's kid yeah. spewed out the front. Um, um, what else happened? We had chips. We had chips and, and gravy. Yeah. And, and then Eric smashed a glass. Eric broke a glass. Yeah, it was funny. I don't know. A few tears. Go back. It's worth a listen. <laughs> yeah. Drank some nice wine though. That was yeah, good. Some great wine. So let's talk about wine because Simon, like, I mean, I think that half your what percentage of your world is food and what percentage of your world is wine? I mean, it's kind of 50 50. Really. There you go. It's 50 50. 50 50. It's um, definitely not reflected in the podcast. Well, no. Sphere. No, it's interesting that. Um, but yeah, it's basically what I've come to do is I do food and I do wine. So I write menus and, and wine lists. Um, so, but I do kind of sway between what takes my interest different times. Sometimes I'm just reading all about wine and learning about wine and sometimes I'm a bit more obsessed with food so I just kind of I swing both ways in that sense ooh me too mm. um, have you tell me about tell me about like how you first got interested in wine because I think that like it's kind of natural for chefs to get interested in wine but there are some that aren't like I, I've, I've always worked in like uh, when I was working in hospitality I was working front of house and I had much more of an interest in wine because I kind of had to mm. but then when I when I was in kitchens my interest in wine kind of waned like a little bit um and i just i don't know i've always had a, just a sort of i just like drinking wine and i don't take i don't i don't mm. i'm not balls deep in it well, i think that's but where how did you get balls deep most most chefs are interested in drinking wine and that's about it i kind of from quite early on when i started cooking and decided to be a chef i saw ambitions to own a restaurant and knew that wine was a big part of that so i started because when I started getting into food, I didn't like drinking wine. Like, and obviously I was drinking pretty shitty wine. So I kind of decided I'd force myself to enjoy it. Um, oh, what was apparently that? a restaurant along our. Is that what? Why that, is it telling me about a restaurant in New Zealand? Where are we going, Steph? I don't know. Anyway, a little um, interlude. Um, so I just kind of took a, a vague interest in wine um, to the point of like I would know what. You know how to pronounce some grapes and sort of a, a very basic knowledge of, of wine of like where things grow where you can get wine what what types of wine i like to drink so i could buy wine better and then going going to more restaurants obviously that became more of an interest of or didn't want to sound like a you know a dickhead when reading the wine list of some of these mission style restaurants i was going to so it was it was very basic and then um it wasn't until I kind of I got a subscription to Vino Mofo, which is a, like a really good website that sells some really great wine at a really great price. Yeah, they kind of buy at bin ends and get deals different companies. Um, and it was kind of the first time I could afford to drink good wine. And I'd get like a mixed like case sent like every three every three months. So I just got to like just try these different wines, and, and it was better wine. And then I could kind of learn a little bit about each one, and it kind of spiraled from there. Um, and I tend to. If I get into something, I, I get a bit obsessed about it, mm. so I have to know, know as much as much as I can. Yeah, so right. I kind of caught that little bug, um, and then by the time I bought Caveau, um I kind of knew enough and had sort of tasted enough just to be able to write a, a decent wine list. And then, obviously, being in the kind of in the wine industry sphere, then I got to taste more wines, and that increased my knowledge, and I learnt more and read more, and you know, I went to a lot of tastings. I taste a lot of wine every year, um, and it's yeah something I. I put a lot of time and effort into now yeah what what do you think it is that makes wine this 
sort of addiction in a way. Like like people get people get so interested. I guess it's such a it's it's a never-ending rabbit hole of yeah. information and product. But like what is it about wine itself that that is so it's, intoxicating for it's a, just, lack of a better word? It's such a massive subject and I think like it's it's a, it's a drink you can you can have a conversation about, which is why I always kind of it's been my go-to beverage. Like I obviously yeah. like talking about food and wine. And I'm interested in saying like yeah, beer and cider you can talk about it, but wine just has this like this massive history to it. Not I mean not the beer side doesn't, but and then this kind of this this precision and obsessiveness about it. And and, it, and it's all the way from you know knowing about soils to climate to then actual viticulture and then the actual winemaking process and then the, then the extension of that from the kind of restaurant side is, is the, the tasting and, and enjoying and describing kind of side of it. So and pairing it with food. Well, yeah, yeah. Pairing with food is obviously quite fascinating. So, but, so it's, it's just massively varied, such a wide-ranging subject. There's always something to know. Um, it has this kind of this romanticism to it and there's also kind of a science kind of artistic side to it as well. So I guess it kind of just fills a lot of a lot of uh, niches of curiosity. Yeah. Um, tell tell me about your sort of journey in terms of like the sommelier qualifications that you, you did. Like, w- what have you done and uh, what's like, that progression I've been? done, so Wasset is the, uh, what is the actual acronym for it? World Spirits and Wine Trust? Uh-huh. WSC, yeah. Um, that's one of the kind of major bodies in, in the world. Um, so I've started doing my, my courses with that. Um, more so, I just wanted a bit of paper to say I knew something about wine. It's, it's not massively necessary. It can kind of help focus your learning, but most of my learning has been through tasting, talking, meeting winemakers and soms and distributors and, and learning myself that way. So I haven't really been too fussed with, with that. Also, it's, it's very time-consuming to do some of these courses where you have to actually write essays about, you know, like my, my friend's doing a what's a diploma right now and I'm about to do a bit of an interview with him about he's got to write an essay about natural wine like 3,000 words wow so okay. trying to run two businesses while trying to write a 3,000 word essay is just a bit what's the what's the essay about natural wines about um, it was kind of quite varied he sent me the outline of it it was like um, describe what natural wine is and the practices used in the vineyard and the winery um, you know why is it polarizing um, write about that so why is it polarizing Glad you asked. It. Yeah, um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna pepper you with questions yeah, now. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I think, like, way. we've done enough of an introduction, yeah. like, and whatever. But I actually pepper like away. these little, Season. these little minutia sort of yeah. question because I like for those out there, I'm a bit of a noob when it comes to wine. I enjoy drinking it, and I've, you know, I've been working in hospitality. I worked in hospitality for a long time, and I dine out a lot. Yeah. But I, I don't, I'm, I don't get into the nitty gritty in the same yeah. way I mean, that you for, do. For most people. There's no point to like a little, a little bit of knowledge will help you buy better wine, and that's the only reason I think that anyone who's kind of likes wine should have like a basic understanding. But half of it is just is pointless. Like I've just lots of knowledge. Where I'm just like it's just knowledge accumulation. Like, right outside of my industry and talking to people in the industry, that is completely useless. Yeah. Um, natural wine. Uh, if one is there's some kind of confusion about what natural wine actually means. A lot of people think natural wine is a a stylistic thing like natural wine tastes like this when it's not it's a kind of ideology decision making process in the making of the wine the taste outcome of that wine is dependent on lots of other things not necessarily being natural but being said that a lot of practices in natural wine can lead to some different flavor profiles of wine which aren't usual in traditional wine Mm. so traditionalists then will go 
oh, that has this slightly weird flavour, that's a fault, that means this wine ergo is bad. Mm. I kind of likened it to things like ferments, like like fish sauce smells fucking gross, mm. but it's delicious. Mm. Like some cheeses smell fucking atrocious, but they're delicious to put in your mouth. So no one can really be the arbiter of what tastes nice, especially when like genetic dispositions, like people who hate coriander, it's a gen- genetic thing. Yeah. Like, and there's lots of different flavors in, in wine where people have a, a ranging um, kind of taste profile for it. Like I'm very sensitive to what people call it mousy wines when they're a bit like farmyardy and a bit kind of mouse cage. Yeah, okay, right. Basically like piss-soaked straw. Barnyard. Is kind of, yeah, it's kind of mousy. Like Wet dog wine. Yeah, like I'm quite susceptible <laughs> to that, but then some people fucking love it. You get some wines and I'm like, oh my God, I can't drink that. But some people love it. So if some people love it, you can't necessarily taste that taste bad. Yeah. So that's kind of why there's it's quite polarizing because some people just like taste these things and go, oh no, that's wrong, that's gross. Yeah, okay. But, you know, if people like it. How do you like think it. like... The thing about natural wine is that, like, it's fucking cool. Yeah. Like, all the cool cats fucking yeah. drink natural wine, right? Nat- like, wine. and it's at all the... All smashing the, natties, Smashing bro. natty magnums yeah. and fucking... Natty mags. Like, just drinking Radicon mags from the <laughs> bottle, like, just <laughs> fucked as, eh? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, a thing. And I think that, like, some people, and, like, I'm probably guilty of this too, but it's, like... Yeah, okay, well, like, there's something to it, and it's cool, and whatever, and, mm. like, I drink it, and I enjoy it, and stuff, but I do, like, like, how do you fucking, it's, how do you get people, like, because it's easy to sell, like, something different to a crowd, because it's cool, and all the right mm. people are engaged with it, but then when you're trying to sell it to fucking Jeff, the the lawyer, who's, like, <laughs> 65, that's yeah. been drinking Barossa, Shiraz, and fucking yeah. Cabernet's, like, exclusively yeah. his whole life. Yeah. Like, Smashing how do you sell it? How do you bro. sell it to him and explain to Jeff that, like, it, there's actually something to it and it's not just piss? Yeah, water. I mean, like, so, again, this thing, there's... there's the kind of two sides of natural wine. There's there's the kind of the the kind of punk rock side of it where it's you know pushing boundaries, changing the definitions of things, um, kind of pushing the envelope of what wine can be. Um, and obviously that's kind of a backlash to traditional wine. And whenever there's kind of bash backlash, there's pushback. Um, but then also you can make a natural wine, which is uh, I mean for better better use of the word clean, you know quite straight let straight edged. Um, and quite and you know and perfectly traditional in taste. You can make you know natural wines that do have large tannins, um, that you know have you know that are, that are big bold wines and they're all kind of juicy fruit bombs. Mm. Um, so that, that that's a wine making decision you make. Um, but what natural wine essence of is is lots of big companies um, rather than trying to grow the best grapes they could to grow and letting them naturally turn into wine. Um, and with the, the flavors they, they accumulate, they were, they were adding you know, additives. So you take your grape juice and then you go, right, this, this vintage, there wasn't much tannins, we want more tannins. So you, you know, pour a lot of tannin, we, this, is, this hasn't got much acid, we'll chuck a whole lot of tartaric acid in there. And all these adjust, uh, you know, adjustin, adjustions, is that a word? Suggestions. No, ad- adjustments. I, I say suggestions. <laughs> that, that would be wrong. As that would be as bad as my adjustments, um, adjustments. Yeah. Um, to basically kind of make make a wine in in the in the winery rather than in, in the vineyard. So that that has been quite prolific, especially in Australia, where you know these massive companies are buying grapes from all these different areas and trying to make a consistent product every year. 
you kind of have to make that one way. So natural wine is kind of a backlash of using those additives. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense. That's exactly. cool. Like, I mean, that's right. That's kind of how yeah. it should be. Right? And, and the extension of that then is is trying to be more organic or biodynamic in, in the vineyard and the winery. Um, you know, trying to use less preservatives. Um, so that that's I mean that's kind of the the main definition of what yeah. natural wine is is organic biodynamic viticulture. Um, same you know, same practice in your winery. No no ads, and then generally minimal sulfur as the only preservative used. Okay, um, that's kind of the, the best definition of, of natural wine. Sweet. Um, um, there's plenty of natural wine that people call natural that doesn't have organic viticulture, um, and then doesn't use any sulfur and uses a bit more, like so. There's lots of kind of small variations in there, um, but you can make a wine in that in that way, that is, you know, a traditional wine, even though it's hit you know natural. Yeah. All right, I'm going to pivot because I just want to keep changing yeah. direction and asking yeah. questions all the time. You mentioned tannins. Mm. How are, like, nice, like, good tannins achieved? Because you have bad tannins and good tannins. Yeah. Right? Um, so, I mean, t- t- tannins is, a, is, a, is an acid, um, and it's that drying feeling on your mouth. So you get them from, from many, like, the skins of the wine, also the stalks. Um, have a certain type of acid and then there's different winemaking techniques where you can basically bring out and soften like, and then things like like storing in oak over time helps to round out and soften really harsh tannins so there's how you get you know particularly nice tannins is probably a little bit out of my, my, my scope of knowledge just to talk to winemakers about that um, we might talk to Brian Martin about yeah, that, listeners. If we're going to talk specific about tannins, Brian, we'll, we'll talk to someone someone proper. Um, mm. But yeah, but tannins make a massive difference. And uh, like, you, there's multiple different kind of types of tannins and the way they they affect your palate. They're kind of the almost yeah. The, there's like, almost kind of a groove and a and a um, like um, like a grade to them. Like some some are kind of very like fine sandpapery. Some are kind of chalky dusty um some can be like kind of fill your whole palate some can be very targeted different parts of your palate so it's definitely it's a, it's a massive thing that makes can make a wine yeah but different. that's the like so that so in my sort of like elementary level of wine knowledge and wine tasting ability mm. like i can only recognize tannin through strong like through quite strong tannin yeah, like okay yeah. yeah that's obviously got a lot it's of a tannin yeah. but then you like how do you develop a palate where you can like that's one of the fascinating things is developing a wine palate because it's it's so different to eating food like well it can be quite so different to eating food it's a different process of yeah. tasting and the yeah, stuff yeah i mean like, it, it's still fundamentally the same and you still you can only develop your palate by eating and drinking like it's it's not something like Someone who, who just has like you know, there's no thing as like a naturally good palate. Mm. Like you can have different like flavors, different levels of flavor receptors, and there's such people as like who have like um, who are, like super tasters. They have like a particularly high level of flavor sensitivity on their palate, but really? they're actually the worst tasters because then something like like bitter flavors will taste really fucking bitter. Yeah. So they're actually the they're like although they they can. De- you know, detect flavors more strongly. They're actually like some of the not not necessarily the best tasters. Yeah. Um. So you, yeah, it's not, there's no such thing as a natural taster. Someone who can just have a natural palate, drink a wine, and be like blah 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 blah. But how do you do it? Like, like if you were gonna f- if we we're gonna sit down with three different bottles of wine that have three different tannin structures, how would you explain to me how to detect like 
like how yeah. to how to detect the different tannins and what I should be sort of experiencing well, you, in order you, to to understand. You, you kind of have to be taught. So generally, yeah. someone needs to teach me. Sorry. Someone needs to point out what you, what they you know what what the sensations on their mouth and where it's hitting. Then you can kind of work out what that feels like, and then it's just learning the language behind wine. Like a lot That's of it's a it huge is, one, isn't it? Yeah, is it learn like so learning how to describe those things and then linking them to the right sensation because it's quite like esoteric when you say like this wine is very round in my mouth that's yeah. like some weird fucking synesthesia kind of stuff where you're yeah. just describing flavors as shapes which i actually realized i do quite a lot until one time i was like it's very angular and people <laughs> people with like with with food and people look at me a bit weird and i was like does that not make sense because i've been doing that for years um so you kind of have to learn like oh, okay that's what a a dusty tannin that's what a chalky tannin sensation is so you, ha- you have to learn these things you have to taste lots of wine drink lots of wine talk about it um, and have someone kind of show you teach you or you know, read about it and does it does it does the same go and like yeah I mean I guess you mentioned the language of wine too but the same mm. goes for like descriptors and stuff like that too yeah and again it's like it's kind of because I was a thing like you also use like different flavors, like maybe it's like mushroom or stone fruit or apricot. Yeah, like and mushroom. These, like yeah, and all these kind of things describe wine. And for me, it's kind of, it's like a wine doesn't taste, or not not always anyway. Sometimes it like a wine is like, oh fuck, that tastes of gooseberries. Like exactly that fruit is like what it tastes like. A lot of times it's kind of like this is what that fruit tastes like when you taste it in wine, rather than that tastes exactly like this fruit. Yeah, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Like so, when you're saying like, oh, it's got some mushroom notes, it's kind of, it's not like, it's not like I've, I have a mushroom in my mouth. It's just kind of that's kind of it reminds me of mushroom. Yeah, it's kind okay. of why I, I think about it. You, you, you're kind of linking sensations and flavors and trying to describe them rather than it being particularly accurate. That might not make any sense. No, it does. It does. It does. But it's challenging. Like yeah. it's like it's it's it, it really is a language that you have to. Yeah, sort yeah. Of and, and that's learn. not most of the thing. It's literally like learning. And like that. That's when you when you do you know proper study of wine. You have lists of of words to use to describe a wine. Whether it's you know whether it's oaky or woody or, or Good, you know, cedar bad. or like yeah buttery milk like yogurt. Even you can have a kind of yogurt sensation. Yogurt. in wine. Yogurt. Sorry to uh, <laughs> Australians. Buttery. Yeah. No. Like. I don't know. I, I'm still. I'm still learning the language of wine. For yeah, sure, and, and, and that, that, that's the minefield of it. Also, like, but you have to. You have to try. Like, as a novice wine drinker, like, it, or someone who hasn't really put that much effort into learning the language of wine. Mm. I think one of the things that I've done for a long time is I just drink it and enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with oh, that, but no, I just drink it. It's I just drink it. And I'm like, do I like it or not? Like, yeah, yep, exactly. sweet. Like, let's drink it. As, as a as an exercise, being able to talk about the flavor profiles of a wine is one of the most useless ones yeah like as, as a as a punter yeah you, you're better off knowing but it's also like it's it's cool like it's interesting like when we oh, had dinner at cafe parsi the other night we yeah. had like some really nice wine and i like i paid attention more to tasting the wine than i normally do mm. when i drink wine because i was like i want to know and i was like and then i was like trying to give you my descriptors and yeah i was like this is what i'm getting and mm. it's like yeah yeah yes yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's like if, if that's what you taste and you're kind of ac- accurately describing what you taste, then that, that's what you taste. Like, yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, like, I, I, I like doing that because I like the, you know, the sort of mental pursuit of it and the kind of, you know, testing and training of my palate because yeah. that's the industry I'm in. Um, like, the, the best thing for, like, a 
a punter or just you know an everyday wine lover to to know which is actually useful is what which grapes you enjoy from which region because that's yep. going to dictate <clears throat> generally the wine you're buying so if you know that you like Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc then you can buy that and know you're going to enjoy it if you know you like Hunter Sam which is much better than Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc yeah why why do you hate Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc so uh, much? like I don't hate Marlborough there's some great ones it's one of those things where they got really popular because uh, like Kiwi Sauvignon Blanc is just is it's all the levels are just really high so it's really high acid there's really good fruit structure um, and for someone who's not used to tasting wine and some wines might be a little bit delicate a little bit kind of um, I hate to say like a bit too complex for them to quite their palate to really appreciate yeah. a wine that's just like a punch in your mouth is like oh this is fucking delicious yeah okay. so and then obviously there's lots of and bad, that's how they sound when well, they drink it yeah so. pretty much yeah um, there's lots of then there's lots of bad examples of cheap cheap shit kick out yeah. kiwi sap blanc which is, is mainly in Marlborough there's some amazing Marlborough um, producers who make make amazing Pinot and make amazing other white wines like uh, Tiwara and, and, and Churton and two, two wineries and from Marlborough I have, have bought wine from a lot and their, their savvies are delicious yeah tell me you just said fruit structure and it, it comes up a lot in wine and it seems to be like good fruit structure seems to be the mark of a good wine yeah in some ways yeah. in some ways mm. Depending on what we're talking about, mm. but um, what does that mean, and why is it so important? So you, uh, you, so you can pretty much divide wines into like their fruit profiles. So with reds, you can kind of go, oh, this is like light red fruit. It's like raspberries, strawberries. Then you go, this is kind of slightly darker red fruit, cherries, plums, and then you can kind of go into really dark, you know, black plums, and then you can kind of go into those blue fruit. So you can. Basically, break most of your wines down into fitting into those those fruit profiles, and then same with whites. You you get ones that are you get wines that are very much all all citrus, or you can get ones that are more stone fruit, or you can get tropical fruit. Yeah. So you can kind of break them down, and Sauvignon Blanc kind of can have very core citrus flavors, or it can be um, quite quite um you know, quite bright. Um, fuck word I just use um tropical fruit yeah it's got the word tropical for a second. um so it you know it's, it's very big and bold and it's easy to taste and enjoy and actually that's one of the first like Sablonk was one of the first ones i started drinking and enjoying um and i probably went from kiwi ones that that my mum would have in the fridge to then enjoying some stuff from from france and from loire and uh like used to have a little bit of a session with pui fumi from uh pui fume from uh yeah. from loire valley that's cool amazing Sauvignon blancs from there yeah right what um you were talking before about like people being able to identify what grape they like and what region yeah like that's made in like i don't know where were you going <laughs> where were we going with <laughs> that? You let's going? get back to where, uh, we, where we were there so different grapes will grow will taste different from different regions yeah, depending on course. the climate um so whether it's you know, a colder climate, a cooler climate, a hot climate, Mediterranean climate, maritime climate, all these different things make a difference. So um, Shiraz from Barossa is going to taste different from Shiraz from Canberra. Yeah. Um, so, but also then there's some crossover. So if you know that um, you know, Barossa is pretty hot um, and you like the Shiraz from there, you can go, well, okay, McLaren Vale is pretty hot. Maybe I like the Shiraz from there. 
if you like Shiraz from from Canberra region, you might like Shiraz from other kind of cooler climates. Okay. Um, so that that can help you cross over and expand your wine. So, like, kind of the advice is to have like a basic understand. Well, like, I think the the one thing that people that's that's the easiest thing for people to grab hold of is what grape do I like? Clearly, yeah. it's like there's people that are like I only drink Shiraz, and there's people that are like I only drink Chardonnay, and there's people that are like I only drink Pinot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think <laughs> like the, the difference between if, if you're say, if you're in a restaurant, you don't really know any of the wines on the, on the menu and they've got a good som and you want to tell them like I normally like this wines what would you recommend if you just say Barossa Shiraz then you're giving less information and then especially something like that it's kind of the one people say because that's just all they they kind of know mm. they're just like Barossa Shiraz I'll just say I like Barossa Shiraz um, if you know that you can say like I like you know Shiraz is from warmer climates suddenly the som then can go right I know kind of the vibe they want so maybe they might like this you know wine from southern Italy which is a warm climate uh, you know that's a completely different grape but it's got kind of things in common with that that warm style Shiraz mm. um, so again if you take that back again if you just say I like Shiraz you give them less information again and it's like well you know do you like you know Canberra or you know fucking Barossa or you know Western Australia and kind of Franklin River kind of kind of way they, they all taste quite different let's talk about Soms like then so like I think you just mentioned then, like, a som will ask questions of the person that they're serving. Like, what are the what are some of the things that you think makes a good som? Like, what experiences have you had dining out yourself where you're like, that person's a really fucking good som? Um, I think, obviously, sommeliers kind of got a, a bad rap of being that fuckwit in a suit. <laughs> are they? In Maybe a within hospitality. I mean, sometimes. Um, <laughs> Who are just, are just dickheads? Who are very stuck in their ways and just want to sell you what they like, um, and they want to upsell you every time. Yeah. Yeah, they still exist, but there's definitely a kind of young community of, of smelliers around Australia who are much more hospitable, much more friendly, um, much more down to earth, and who really just want you to lo- love wine, and you know aren't going to try and upsell you too much. You're still going to make money. Um, um, and they're going to be open and be knowledgeable about the wines they pour. So, I mean, a good song knows the wines they have, knows their taste profiles, and is able to communicate with the customer, try and work out what they like, and make a recommendation they think is going to hit the mark. Obviously, it's very hard to recommend a wine that's going to, you know, sometimes you recommend a wine and people are going to hate it. Yeah. You can't really get around that. Um, but yeah, I mean, a good, good sommelier should know their wine list. Um, and be able to make a recommendation with the informa- information you give them about what you normally drink or what you like. Um, and then at a you know, more kind of pointy level, like if a you know, good song, if, if, if I'm in a restaurant and I'm, I'm really interested in the, you know, what type of soil this wine was, 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 these grapes were grown in, if they can tell me that, then that's just kind of that next level of knowledge. Yeah, okay. What, um, let's, let's give some, like, let's give people some advice for like, picking good like I suppose when you go to a restaurant though like if you go to a decent restaurant that like or a good restaurant mm. generally the wine list is pretty good but like yeah. there might be people out there who don't necessarily want to engage too much with the song or maybe a little bit like have you got like tips that allow people to get the wine that they want at a restaurant or get a wine that suits them I think that like when we were at Parsi the other night like mm. well, the first tip was don't be shy to tell the song your price point yeah like because it just it just narrows it down oh, immediately for them right that's one people people get a bit embarrassed about naming a price 
and, and that, that's going to be the, one of the biggest factors for anyone even you know, if I go out like I know how much I'm going to I want to spend yeah. um, so if you don't tell someone how much you want to spend that for one that they, they can't gauge what wines to give you so that, that doesn't narrow it down very much so and like it's helpful information and it's almost it's a little bit embarrassing in the front to be to be like how much you want you guys want to spend so just have a look at the menu be like okay cool well, that seems to be my budget tell tell the, the person that be like you know I do all the time I'll be like I, I want so, like something red that's interesting around the 100 buck mark or around the 120 buck it's mark it's a funny it's a funny like you think about the dynamic though like the social dynamics of ordering wine right mm. like fucking going out for dinner right a lot of the time that's done between couples yeah. and a lot of the time that might be done between new couples or people on a first date <laughs> essentially and then like the your social position and like how you present yourself to the person that you're with is a factor in in the, in what you choose to order and how you order it and things like that so like if you're on a first date going like just you know like i mean whether it's a bloke or, or the woman that's choosing the wine but but saying oh yeah so we're looking for a wine that's like around the 50 dollar mark like or something like that is <laughs> It's it's a yeah. touchy little like it's 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 sort of icy ground to walk on yeah, sometimes. I mean, so okay, so but that's where that's where the upsell comes in because soms like soms do have that ability to fucking upsell and they go well like well we've got this it's fucking eighty bucks which is almost double what you said yeah, but yeah. but and then you're like oh okay sounds good like <laughs> yeah I mean if if you're you I mean you can work around it yeah I guess like if if you are kind of very price conscious and you're like look this this wine this is a bit out of my price there's nothing wrong with that fucking so many wine that's out of my price range and I yeah. know I like spend a lot of money on wine um, if you're looking at the, the cheapest end maybe just just pick three of the cheapest ones and ask like which out of those three which one they think's the most interesting or you know whatever it is like you, you, yeah. you can work around it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean it's going to be it's funny though. It's interesting. To yeah, think I mean, about. That, because yeah, the thing that, is, is like the number one question to make it easy on the song and to make it work for you is is that price point thing. It's like playing guess who and yeah. asking asking something because it just cuts and half the men, cuts I mean, the menu in half. Realistically, if, if you're if you're on a date with a guy and a girl and you're worried about how much you spend on wine dictating their their attraction to you, then you should tell them to fuck off. <laughs> like, well, that's that's, that's the world we live in, man. It really oh yeah, is, but anyone who, anyone who cares, like if someone really cares about that fucking much, like yeah, that's you true. Know, then then the, the, it's not it's not going anywhere. It's not gonna it's not gonna end well. <laughs> it's like, not going well. Like, I mean, also like if if you're if you're at a a good restaurant with good list, like lists I write. I fucking love the cheapest wine. Yeah, like, exactly. Normally, it's the one I've had to work hardest to find. Yeah, like it's the one I've had to like, like taste a lot of, lot of bad wine, a lot of good wine, and find something I think like, right, that's really punching above its weight. What's punching above its weight? You're gonna need gems out there to tell people um, about. No, I'm not gonna tell my secrets. Oh, you're gonna tell. We can't um, tell them stuff from previous the, the, lists. The best, the best value is um, great varieties that you don't recognize. Right. Because naturally, they can't sell for as much. So. Pinot Noir is always going to be expensive. Shiraz is always going to be expensive. Chardonnay is always going to be expensive because these are they're they're held in high regard. Um, they can be more expensive to grow, especially Pinot. It's quite fickle, um, so they're going to command higher prices per tonnage of grape. So, but if you're buying Nero d'Avola from the Riverlands, where it fucking grows perfectly in an environment that's 
you know, it's, it's massive. It doesn't need too much water. You're going to get really good value quality wine. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, something like Neo Davila is, is a perfect variety for Australia, much more so than, than Pinot Noir. Um, it's much more suited to our climate. Yeah, right. So, and in Australia now, there's some really, really great uh, Mediterranean varieties, you know, Spanish, Italian, um, so southern French varieties that are growing really well. Something like Grenache is really undervalued in Australia. Really? And some of Grenache's coming out of Australia now are, are really looking world class. There's been a kind of change of, of the way Grenache is thought about in Australia and the way it's made, and it's made a massive difference over the last 10 years. Um, do you think it, blends are, the, are similar as well? Like it's when people see a sort of a blend with there might be the odd wine in there that the odd grape yeah. in there that they don't recognise. Oh like. yeah, for sure. Like especially in the kind of in the younger winemakers in the sort of natural world, blend blends are much more common because you're dealing with small small quantities of wine, um, and you you might not have control of your vineyard, so you might need you know a bit of this wine in with that one to balance it out. Or like a lot of people will just make like a field blend of like they'll be make they'll make these three individual varieties. Um, so the leftover stuff they'll chuck in together and we'll see how it goes yeah and you can get some really delicious wines like that way yeah we, um, the, the last place that I worked at in Canberra like the the sort of inverted commas house wine was a mm. um, TSG so like I think it was temp Grenache Shiraz yeah right like, yeah just yeah. blend thing yeah. like it was fucking it was it, the cost price was so cheap yeah. and it was it was so good like it was so drinkable like yeah. and, and everyone that we like everyone that bought it and we served it to like and it was it's such a good price point and yeah everyone fucking loved it was local too yeah we, we've one. got a um a, te- a tempranillo pinot noir blend yeah from swinging bridge in orange called tempino yeah right um and we've been selling heaps of it like we sold like two cases over like a weekend one time um i think it's just hitting the mark because people love tempranillo and people love pinot and yeah so you get both both people do you think it. that temper like wines like tempranillo and the sangiovese do you think people um order them because they like to say tempranillo like when they order wine <laughs> possibly maybe. like because my dad when he goes to a, when he goes to an italian restaurant shout out to big herman um he's usually a shiraz drinker but when he goes out for italian he'll inevitably and he'll do it this way he'll always order a glass of valpolicella <laughs> like the way that the way that he ordered because he and, and it's like if 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 if, if valpolicella was literally diarrhea he'd still order it because he wants to say valpolicella in that yeah. in that way to the I mean, italian yeah it might be a little, little bit of that if you spent if you spent time trying to learn how to say montepulciano oh that's a good one then um then you know um oh it's there's one that um, I think, uh, yeah, grown in the Riverlands, Slankamankabella. Ooh. Um, that um, Brad from Amato Vino loves because of the name. And um, Ashley from Ricaterra Farms grows in the Riverlands. Um, it's a pretty weird one. Yeah. It's, it's quite delicious, but like, that would be a hard sell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like. like but it's like those Greek ones as well. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like you um, can't even read the, the, the label. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a. Like Italian varieties can be a little bit difficult to say, but they're normally pretty straightforward. But yeah, like Greek varieties are pretty difficult. Like and then wines from Slovenia and Georgia. Yeah. Um, you kind of you look at a different alphabet, and it can be difficult. Like I mean, the, the main Greek wine you'll see that they grow a little bit grows in Australia is a Serdico. Yeah. Um, and it'd still be hard to read that if you didn't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. A but, friend, a friend of mine used to put on these Greek pop-ups yeah. in Melbourne and he, he did the wine and like, it was just cause he traveled to Greece, went yeah. to some wineries, got a good con- distributing contract, like contact. And, um, yeah, that's all right. 
Yeah, we're going past the cop now and we're not sure whether or not we're allowed um, to keep talking. I, I think we're fine. Why not? Why can't you talk you into a microphone? You can't use a phone, can you? And I feel like if you'd seen it, it'd be like... Nah, we're all right. We're all right? No, no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure of the legality of it. Talking oh, into a microphone while you're, while you're driving. <laughs> it looks a bit weird. You can talk into a... Like, you can talk into a... um. What's it called? I feel like they'd be able to... You can talk on the Bluetooth. Yeah, but I feel like they'd be able to do for like... Like, can't they do if, like, you're eating whilst driving? Like, if you're not, if you look like you're not paying attention? They can. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> what about podcasting? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we'll take one for the team and leave the mics on and yeah. see what the cost yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, um, So, yeah, I mean, a lot of restaurants in Sydney and these bigger wine lists, normally their, their cheaper wines will be the slightly weird ones from weird countries. And they know they're not going to be able to make the same you know, 350, 400% markup as they do on a, on a Barossa Shiraz um, or like an Adelaide Hills Pinot. So you're going to get better value on these wines. And there is really some amazing wines um, from that, those kind of uh, new world, old world producers. What's, uh, so what's the hot tip on like a, um, like, I mean, you, you, certain wines are like Getting becoming more mainstream, certain varietals are becoming more mainstream. Mm. People people recognise them. People know what they are. Is there what's what's out there that like you were like this shit's banging and no one knows about it? Um, I mean, there's there's a couple of things. There's a couple of regions in Australia that are producing really amazing wine that aren't really renowned for it. Like right. like like Tumbarumba. Okay. Um, it makes some amazing Chardonnay. And like secret little tip, a lot of um, Yatana, which is like Penfolds. It's like the the white grange. It's like their top chardonnay. Yeah, a lot of that that chardonnay comes from Tumbarumba. Yeah, right. Um, which is isn't a well known region. It's like it's it's super high. It's like nine nine hundred meters elevation, um, and it's really pure acid driven chardonnay. And I've, I've tried some delicious examples that are coming out there from just like Coroboyo, who make some some amazing sparkling wine. Um, like Eden Road, who, who source a lot from there. Um, re- really pure um, kind of can be kind of you know, Chablis-esque kind of vibes on the Chardonnay so there's, there's some regions like that Hunter Semyon is just like the best thing ever and is constantly undervalued in Australia for reasons yeah. um, but then um, like obviously Nebbiolo is looking pretty good there's quite a lot grown in hilltops um, so a lot, a lot of stuff from New South Wales will come from there um, and then there's some vineyards in Western Australia and Victoria as well um, and it's it's pretty you get some people who try and make it in a similar way to sort of Barolo in northern Italy and then some people kind of let it do its own Aussie thing yeah okay. um, I think the Aussie examples are really cool they're a little bit lighter on, on the tannins and acid um, a little more fruit forward with some really kind of good uh, secondary characteristics like savoury notes so that, that's that's pretty cool like Sangiovese is looking pretty good in different areas um, Nero d'Avola and Fiano um, the grown sort of Adelaide Hills Rivellins uh, some of the company like Unico Zello are really putting their effort into those varieties and making mm. different kind of um, kind of showings those, I'm of, seeing of those. them all over the gram at the moment everyone's loving that yeah like I, they, I mean they're, they're very um, easy to look at labels really well priced but like they've really focused on making kind of individual um, Nero Davlers and, and Fianos which is pretty fascinating um, and I alluded to Riccaterra Farms in, in Rivlands again so Ashley Ratcliffe who's kind of like almost the godfather of a lot of these Italian varieties you've seen coming to the country like he's really championed things like Nero d'Avola Montepulciano he's got planted there um, some like 
oh, what's the one he's always trying to flog? There's one variety, Arinto, which he loves. Um, but he basically brings in these varieties, plants them in his vineyard, and then goes out on like the hottest day of the year and see, sees which ones are fucked and which ones aren't. Yeah, to right. see, see which, which will grow in this climate better. Um, so some things like that, some like Mediterranean varieties that look, are looking really cool in Australia and are much more suited to the heat. Yeah, it seems um, like The it. lack of water, things like that. So they're exciting from a environmental, sustainable standpoint as well. Yeah, cool. Um, we'll only do a little bit more because we've got 16 minutes to go until we, until we get home. Mm. But... Um, Oh, we got a bit more actually because we're going to your place, aren't we? Oh, actually, need to go, need to go night parrot. Oh, you need to go night parrot. Got to go wine tasting. Just sorting out the logistics of the this drive, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. I hope that's yeah. find that fascinating. Yeah, I'm going to be late, Dan. If you listen to this, sorry, mate. Oh yeah, whoops, sorry, Dan. Yeah, that's right. Um, I told him that's Christian's fault. Blame Christian. Sorry, Christian. <laughs> sorry, being so bloody interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about local. Let's talk about our our region. Yep. Uh, we are in. Wongong and let's talk like let's talk like 200 200 oh there's 200 k's probably too close let's talk something like 100 k's sort of radius south coast well, southern yeah, highlands I mean, like what are your lo- local wines I'd consider southern highlands and the south coast yeah um, like New South Wales is kind of kind of local in that in that wine sense but if you're talking actually local well, these are the ones on our doorstep yeah um, you've always had a you've always had a bit of a a crush on Coolangatta right yeah like I mean, I so that's like, Shoalhaven Heads. Yeah, so I, I like using local things as much as possible, and you know, um, kind of maybe, maybe stumbled across Coolangatta and their Semillon. Um, so pretty hard to grow grapes in the South Coast. Yeah, it's like you, what you don't want for grapes is humidity, um, and then rains in the kind of ripening and 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 budding, budding period. So. You get you get all those things down the south, um, but Semillon ripens really early, so they they pick it kind of late January, early Feb. Yeah. Um, okay. So similar to Hunter, a little bit after Hunter Valley normally, um, so it kind of misses that that's that kind of rain that comes in, which yeah. causes like humidity. So they can pick it, with, which is amazing acidity, and it's just a fascinating grape. They also Tyrrells make the wine for them. Okay. So it's all grown, estate grown in Coolangatta. Gets sent up to Hunter Valley and they make it. And obviously, Tyrrells know what they know what they're doing. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, shout out to the the wine making team. Yeah, Spinazzi and, uh, and 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 co over there. Um, so they just make this amazing Sam that ages so well. Like I drank some of the 2005. Like I've, I've had I've got quite a few vintages at at home now and previously at the restaurant. Um, and it just ages so well, and it just like after like 15 years, it just tastes like like the best Chardonnay. Yeah, right. So, and they've also they pl- recently planted Riesling on the kind of um, advice of of Tyrrells as well, which was looking really cool. Um, and they make some good reds as well, um, some Tanat, which is quite cool. And then they're Chardonnay, and they have a little Sauvignon as well, which is pretty interesting. So they make some really cool wine down south, um, and then a bit further down Cupids as well. Um, Shout out to Libby. Yeah, love Cupids. Multiple time guest of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, do amazing things down there. They grow a bit, they, get, they grow some stuff down there, but then they get a lot of stuff from from hilltops. Um, so they actually make um, a really good Nebbiolo from hilltops. Cupids do so. Yeah, love so the Cupids Neb. They obviously they obviously buy grapes in various places, but you know South Coast based. Um, so I really love those guys. And then the Southern Highlands have got some good wineries. Again, it's a really fucking hard place to grow grapes. Um, Why frost? 
Rain, okay, yeah, because it is fucking cold, eh? Fires, like, it's pretty tough. Like, in uh, 2017, like, they just had frost come in and, like, some people lost their whole crop. Yeah. Like, some people just didn't make wine that year. Um, fucking hell. So you can just have a disaster year like that. On a good year, can produce some really, really great wines. Um, so, what, like, I think Tertini and Artemis are sort of the... Yeah, t- some of the standouts I mean, up there, or? or like Tatini, Artemis, um, uh, Centennial, Centennial, yeah. Um, you like Cherry Tree Hill as yeah, well? Yeah, love Cherry Tree Hill. Uh, Duncan and the Cellar Door, top bloke, love Duncan. Um, did they make some really amazing Riesling um, of kind of various varying types? Um, age really well. Their Pinot is really nice as well. We, we like their Pinot Noir. Um, yeah, it's really making some cool stuff. Um, so they're, they're the kind of more established ones that I, that I one is that I like. And then there's uh, Tony uh, from Ari's Natural Wine. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, who's kind of become a good friend of mine of the years. I think we, we were probably the the second restaurant to have his to list his wines, and he's mm. he's in you know places like De San Luis and Love Tilly now. And yeah, dude, across. They're, they're fucking sick too. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we, I bought that. Um, the big red, the yeah, the big red to yours ages ago. And, yeah, and people Everyone people prefer well, it. people preferred that to like the Akoda barrels and the yeah. Latavino and I preferred it to the Akoda barrels. Yeah, all, all these bangers. Yeah, yeah so it's pretty chuffed when I told him that. Um, so he's made he's buying grapes. Um, he has a little winery set up now, which I think he's just open to the public actually. So you can go and uh, have a little tasting there once a month. I think so. Yeah, check oh, out Ari's Natural Wine. Sick. So um, it's a, it's at Ari's now. Well, he's, he's got. I think he's got some stools outside outside the winery. Yeah, love it. Love and stools a, and, a, and, a, and a table. Call it a cellar. Door. Um, yeah, I just saw that on Instagram today, actually. So yeah, so he's making some really cool natural wine um, with no sulfur, which which is 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 hard to make. Like you have to have really good practice in the winery to make uh, unsulfured wine that's going to last in the bottle and be drinkable after a couple of months. So um, yeah, very very talented young winemaker um, who fucking works. I did a day with them. And the boys from Benson the Mooch who also have been making wine with Tony with some grapes from, from around New South Wales, including Southern Highlands. Um, yeah, I just did, went, went for a little day just to, you know, pick some grapes, get a photo and get a snap. Mm. Ended up working like 14 hours straight with them. Yeah, good. <laughs> Fucking huge. Do some work, you lazy get, get, get to buddy work, mate. Yeah, yeah. I picked, picked like the longest day they did. And they were there before me and they're after me. Hard yakka. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's some good, good stuff happening in Southern Highlands. Well, there's a bunch people. of other ones. Like, um, Tractorless Vineyard's kind of cool. Like, I don't know oh, if you yeah, call well, that on. Um, I don't know if they're, much. like, I don't know what they do after the process, but Jeff Aston, and the reason I know about yeah. this is from the Southern Highlands cookbook, but he uh, he was just just experimenting with multiple different biodynamic principles um, yeah. in, in his vineyards, like... Running sheep, running running sheep in the lot, running chickens in the lot, like and yeah, essentially tractorless. So like not using machinery to control anything, and, yeah. and getting sheep, getting sheep in there, and getting chooks in there, and mm. all sorts of different sort of biodynamic approaches and stuff. I yeah. think he's out at Ealing Ealing Forest, there down at Ealing Forest now. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. It's kind of cool. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, like. I don't know what my next question is, son. Yeah, right. Next question. Maybe um, we should just wrap it up. Yeah, maybe unless you have any local local stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like New South Wales in general get like if you go to South Australia, Victoria, all their wine lists are full of wines from their own state. New South Wales doesn't tend to do that. Like even re- like restaurants in Sydney will have 
uh, kind of more of an international wine list, which is a bit of a shame, which means New South Wales kind of gets overlooked um, as, as a state. Mm. When, for one, we have some of the oldest vineyards, like Tyrrells have possibly some of the oldest Chardonnay vines in the world mm. uh, on the HVD vineyard. And like tasting that wine is kind of it's quite ethereal because you're like, fuck, these were planted in 1908. Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, you're kind of tasting that crazy history. And it's very, very kind of pure, beautiful wine. Mm. Um, yeah, Semyon Hunter and South Coast is just, I have an obsession with Hunter Sem. What do you like about Sem? So it's, for one, like, it's something that Australia does better than else in the world. Really? Um, yeah, like, it, it's almost like a completely. In, in France, it's known as like a low acid grape, just because of where it grows. But in the heat of like of New South Wales, it, it ripens really early and keeps this amazing acidity. Wow! Um, so it's when it's young, it's kind of like Riesling esque. Um, it can have a kind of savvy blanc vibes. Then as it ages, it goes into like kind of weird Chardonnay vo- vo- vibes. Like people will taste an aged sem and be like, "Oh, it's too much oak for me." When with semillon, you basically ferment it, put it in stainless steel. And then bottle it as soon as possible. Yeah, like, right. There's like no winemaking involved. The grape itself just develops these amazing flavors to it. And then if you leave it long enough again, it kind of gets this like raisined, sweet, almost dessert wine kind of vibes to it. It just goes through this amazing like 30-year process. And it's, it's a white wine you can age for that long. Yeah, wow. Um, and it's just no one fucking drinks and in Australia. And they grow really good shit in Coolangatta. In yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's, it's really good value. I think you can buy like the 2005 or 2006 for like 50 bucks. Wow. Like that's ludicrous. And it's, and it's oh, like the, top the notch. Like literally drink the 2005 tonight and it is drinking fucking amazing. What would, you put, what would you put that on your list for? Like um, at a, at, yeah. I mean, if I priced it properly, I think we had it for like 75 bucks on the list. Oh, which, which is like, it, that's a bargain. Bloody bargain. Get a, get a half <laughs> price is a bargain. Yeah. There you go. I'm fitting in culture to Australia. I know. Wow. You he knows You're welcome. quotes from the cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so, yeah, Hunter Sam's amazing. And then you have these cool, cold regions in, you know, Tumbarumba and... Yeah, well, I went to Canberra recently. Yeah, I went, Canberra. I went to the... Uh, it's based in New South Wales. I went to Collector. I went to... We stayed in Collector and I went to the Collector cellar door at some cafe there and, and we went out to Myron Bateman, we went to Clonakilla and we went to Four Winds and we went to McKellar Ridge and we went to the Vitness Daughter and we went to somewhere else too, but I forgot what it was. Mm. But uh, yeah, man, like, I don't know. It's just great, like... Like it's all, it's all close, man. Like it's like yeah, get out. Like I mean, if you're in Wollongong and listening or whatever, or even if you're in Sydney, like yes, the Hunter's great. But yeah, fucking going down to Canberra, going to Myron Bateman yeah. for the weekend was great. Yeah, go to Orange, Orange, like, like I'm Tumba. Yeah, or Orange, especially as it's kind of. We've got another cop over here. So oh, what do they do? Mike's down. Mike's down. Mike's down. As he comes through the roundabout, yeah. oh, it was a full, full car, yeah. full pack. Bloody hell! Wow. Where are they going? Sting. Yeah. Sting operation. Um. Yeah, Orange makes some banging wines. Yeah. Um, I need to get out to Orange yeah. and get out there. Pinot Shardy, really cool. And then there's some um, kind of alt varieties, some Tempranillo and some Nebbiolo being grown up there, yeah. um, which is really cool. There's some really cool producers like Swing and Bridge and Rickard Wines and who else do I like from there who I'm going to forget? Uh, Rowley are great. Awesome. Yeah, Will Rickard's doing some really cool stuff there. Visit regional New South Wales. This yeah. is an ad for visit regional New South yeah. Wales. Visit us. Visit Australia's Orange, wine country. Orange three hundred and sixty should sponsor this. Yeah, should, let's get in with Orange. Him I'll hit up Tom Ward. He seems to be all over that. Yep. All right. Well, bridge. get him on the food fight. Yeah. 
Uh, let's wrap it up. I t- uh, I've decided what we're going to do, Simon. Yeah. We're going to um, we're going to call this episode one of Small Bites Wine Class. So this is Wine Class episode one, and um, we're going to do it again because it's such a big world, and I need to learn about it, mm. and I've, I'm interested in it. And if you listeners out there aren't interested in it, then you just switch off the don't, podcast. Don't bloody, don't bloody listen, mate. <laughs> Why are you listening? Why did you get on here? All right. Well, thanks for all that informative information, ladies, right. um, for Simon. But for the ladies and gentlemen out there, thank you for listening. Let's leave it there. Cool. Thanks. Hello, dear listeners. Steph here. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Food Fight. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at The Food Fight Podcast on Instagram or The Food Fight Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you. Please leave us a five star review on iTunes. That really helps. If you want to hit me up, it's quicksandfood.com or at quicksandfood on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with Simon, it's Simon underscore Evans underscore TBD on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you again with another episode. 